This is Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast, episode number 146. Today, I had the distinct honor to interview my best friend, my business partner, and the co-host of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast about her PhD journey, and I would like you to listen to this interview with the Dr. Tracy Christofferson. Don't miss it. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders, and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome, everyone, to a very special episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is Michelle, and today I have the distinct honor to interview a very, very special guest. She's not new to our podcast, but she has a new identity today. So let me be the first to welcome Dr. Tracy Christofferson to the podcast. Oh, hey, <laughs> could you say that one more time? <laughs> okay, Dr. Christofferson. <laughs> All right. Ooh, I love the way that sounds. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> yes, as we like to say, we have a doctor in the house, Dr. Tracy Christofferson. Yes. So today is all about celebrating this amazing achievement and outcome. And so we have a very special podcast interview. I am turning the tables. And rather than Tracy and I interviewing someone else or doing a solo episode, I am going to interview her on her PhD journey. And uh, so stay tuned. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lots of laughs. Lots of laughs, lots of stories. You know, even got tissues for this in case we have tears. <laughs> we actually, yeah. and we also have champagne. Champagne. Cheers to you, Dr. Christofferson. <laughs> How do we do this on uh, TV? I don't know. I don't know. I can't. Here, here. I got to get in front of my camera, not behind my camera. There we go. Ching, ching. Virtual toast. Virtual <laughs> toast. I'm drinking. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm not faking it. <laughs> you go right ahead. You go right ahead. <laughs> but before we start, I want to give a shout out to one of our listeners. So I uh, recently was at the HIMSS Nursing Symposium where I was the closing keynote speaker and Tracy was at the other Disneyland with her family. But while I was standing in line registering, someone heard me say my company was missing logic and he's like, oh, do you have a podcast? I said, yes, we do. 
And it was Joel from Arkansas, and he loves our podcast, Tracy. Wow. And he says, what you talk about and bringing polarity intelligence is so helpful. So shout out. Let's do a little virtual toast to Joel from Arkansas. All right, Joel. And if you hear this, let us Here's know. Here's to you. Let us know that you caught your name on the airwaves. <laughs> That's right. We know you're listening. Yes, we know you are. We know you are. We know you're listening. So... Today is all about celebrating, and um, we're going to talk about Tracy's journey and all of the incredible lessons that she has had. And we're going to be talking about the beginning of her journey, the messy middle, which it does get a little messy in there, folks. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the end. Now, you need to know, we, record, we are recording this on April 21st, and the end was yesterday. So yep. this is very fresh. The end is very fresh. And since the end is very fresh, Dr. Christofferson, let's start with yesterday. Let's start with the end. Now, I had the distinct honor to be invited to observe Tracy defend her PhD. Um, and there was about 16 people on Zoom to watch this amazing event. <laughs> Several were her committee members. At the university, and then she got to invite some very special people on her cheer squad, and of course, I was I was right there. Here it is, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just want to know, and I'm sure our listeners want to know, what it felt like yesterday when you successfully defended your PhD dissertation in interprofessional healthcare studies at Rosalind Franklin University of Medicine and Science, and Tracy. You can take as long as you want. What did it feel like? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's uh, seven years wrapped up into one hour. That's what it feels like. <laughs> well, I don't even, it's really even hard to put into words. I just have to tell you. It is. It's, it was a seven-year journey for me. Yes. And it's not always seven years for everybody, but it was seven years for me for various reasons. Um. And I think it's just, it's such an emotional moment, you know, it's like the culmination, something you have been, I think about it like this, you know, you've seen those movies where you're running down the hall and the hall keeps getting longer and longer <laughs> and longer <laughs> and you just have to really power through and then boom, you're at the end. That's kind of what it felt like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it was uh, just, you know. It was really emotional leading up to it. And then especially mm -hmm. yesterday, of course, because it is, you work really, really hard. This is a transformation. Mm -hmm. You are transforming as a person. You're becoming a scholar. You're doing this significant work. And then you get to this point where you're going to put this into a 45 minute presentation. And it's kind of like the opportunity to step back and say, wow, I did this. <laughs> Like I created this book, right? I created this. I did all this, right? Yeah. And so it's like this sense of pride, like, wow, you're overwhelmed with how proud you are of what you've done. Yeah. How, you know, the hope of the difference it'll make for people. And, you know, and then it's also just kind of that, it feels kind of surreal. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. is this, is this really going to be over in about an hour? <laughs> like, <laughs> Is that this is really going to end in an hour? 
<laughs> and you know, it's um, it, there's a reason not a lot of people do this because oh, it's a tough sure. journey. Yeah, it's a tough journey. It's worth it if you have a strong why. But it is. It's it's uh, like I said, it's a transformation, and um, there's a lot that gets sacrificed along the way. And I think you know, you just have that realization of everything that you've sacrificed, everything your family sacrificed to get to this point. And then yesterday I was, but I was ready. So I just, I worked really hard to get ready and I was ready mentally, emotionally, uh, physically. And I'll talk more about all that, but I, I was ready and, um, and I just really showed up. So that what that felt amazing. I didn't even have a butterfly. I just was ready to share what I had learned and uh and that that was magical. That whole hour was really magical for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it certainly showed. And I just want our listeners to know I have been a part of this journey just kind of knowing about it supporting Tracy whenever I could. But for me to sit back and watch her do this, basically, really a performance of her work that she's done for the last many, many years, and just watch it unfold, because I didn't know all the details. It was really, it was magical. And she was in command, Dr. Tracy Kristofferson. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. It was great. So tell our listeners just what it's been like for the last 24 hours. Because like, did you wake up and say, did that really happen? (laughs) No, I woke up at 2.30 this morning going, oh my gosh, I got so much more to do. (laughs) I did. I woke up, I was thinking, you know, you think, oh, it's over. I can't pack this stuff up and put it away, right? Like I have been, you guys, I've been lugging this stuff across the country every year, twice a year. I drive from Michigan to wherever, California, Arizona, depends on where we were living at the time. I'm working in the car. My husband and I were talking yesterday. I can't believe you're not going to have to do that stuff in the car anymore. He goes, I, I might kind of miss it. You might have to open up your computer and do a few things. I would have papers all over the dashboard. I'd be writing papers and analyzing data and doing all. For seven uh, years, I've been doing this, right? So yeah. it was just kind of, yeah, it's kind of surreal. It's like, oh my gosh, right? But just joyful. I've never felt so loved and supported mm-hmm. in all my life flowers and cards and gifts and just people, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. You got it. You got it. And, um, and it was just a real emotional thing for my husband and I, we've really been on this journey together. This is as much his degree as it is mine. (laughs) And, uh, he was like on pins and needles yesterday, right. While I was presenting and when the questions came, then he was like, (laughs) okay, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yes. He had a lot invested in this, Tracy. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. He did. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And so it was just, and I had time to celebrate with friends and family. It's just, it was really awesome. Oh, it's just been so awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we're still glowing in it, everybody. We're still yeah, glowing we in it. So, Tracy, you've shared in the past on different podcasts what led you to be a respiratory therapist. But let's tell our listeners a little bit about your kind of post licensure education journey because it's not just the last seven years we're 
talking about. You've been on an education journey for quite a while. So tell us a little bit about that story from bachelor's to master's to PhD. Oh, my. (laughs) I know I was preparing for this and I was like, I went back to school in 2009. And I have been in school ever since. 2009, 13 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So this had been a 13-year journey. But, you know, I back then, I had an associate's degree as a respiratory therapist, right? I Mm -hmm. was happy doing what I was doing. I was really leading phenomenal work, Mm -hmm. you know, an interprofessional collaborative practice across the country, working with all kinds of leaders and people and advancing that and organizations. And I loved what I was doing. And people kept saying, you don't need a degree. You don't need a degree. You know, you look at all what you're doing and the contribution you're making. But just as I got going further and further, I realized there are just some things, you know, that you get from formal education that you don't get from a practice education. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I really wanted to do more, that I really needed to get more education. I need to go get that bachelor's degree, right? Like it would help me. I really felt like it would help me. Of course, I was on the road every week, Monday to Friday, sometimes over the weekend into two weeks on the road at a time. And I thought, oh, am I ever going to be able to get this in? Am I, can I do this? Can I do this? You know? And of course, my husband, my lovely husband, you can do it. I'll support you. You can do it. So I enrolled and I did, I did it. And I, I remember the first paper I had to write. Oh my gosh. I was just like, it was, it was like birthing a baby and it was just a short little paper. It wasn't really (laughs) anything, but I hadn't written like that. Like, you know, like I, I didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I hadn't written in a long, long time, never to that extent. So I, (laughs) oh man, I was just a ball of nerves. But anyway, And then when I got done with that, of course, then my best friend and my husband were like, oh, hey, there's this program over here and it's a master's in health profession education. And the the university is all about interprofessional education. This is really for you. You got to do this. I know. (laughs) I was thinking back, Tracy, when I found that little flyer about that university, I remember handing it to you. This has your name all over it. You got to do this. You got to do this. I'm like, oh man. Okay. Now a master's. Oh my gosh. Well, I guess I carved out time and I could do the bachelor's. I checked it out. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's get a master's in health professions education. So there was another two years and I did that and that was phenomenal. That was really great. And it, it really you know, it fit with everything that I was doing. And I was a director of interprofessional education and practice. You know, I was leading these efforts. Yes. I had a huge passion for, for really kind of, you know, looking at that both and relationship between interprofessional education and practice. I was leading it. It was just like, it, it did seem like a no brainer. It was perfect. Right. Yep. And I, it was a great experience for me. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I learned a ton and, uh, and it was phenomenal. And then a couple of smart Alex said, okay, you can't stop here. You got to keep going. Uh, you go, girl. Yeah. Come on. We're right behind you. We got you. Go. You can do this. And I even called. I like I called the dean. I, you know, I really checked into the school as far as like, what is this going to take? You know, like. 
do I have what it takes? Because that, that was a big thing. Like, do I have what it takes to get a PhD? I mean, that that's a big deal, right? Yes. And I, I really wasn't sure that I was smart enough, to be honest with you. I was like, am I smart enough to do this? Can I really do this? And uh, in my conversation with her, she goes, oh, you most certainly could do this. You most certainly could do this, you know? So, all right, there I went. And yeah, that was in 2014. 2014, <laughs> you started that, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So it was a couple of years of classwork and then, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then all my years of writing this dissertation. So, yeah. Well, and that, to tell you the truth, we'd learned about the university at that point and the fact that they yeah. had a doctorate degree in interprofessional studies. To your point, you were doing it, living it, not not just from a theoretical, you were living it in the field. So that yeah. seemed like a really natural fit. So tell our listeners, you know, what your what was your study about? What did you defend yesterday, Dr. Christofferson? <laughs> I what did I my the title of my dissertation is <laughs> Exploring the Interprofessional Collaborative Practice Knowledge and Dual Identities of Interprofessional Shared Governance Members in Healthcare. Wow. Yes. So way, way back to my roots. Yes. To a conversation 30 years ago with uh, somebody on this podcast. <laughs> Who would that be, Michelle? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Ms. That's how I started. That's how I started. It's Miss okay, Trosset. Miss Trosset. That's right. Miss Trosset. So that's how it started, really. I mean, 30 years ago, 1992, we were working on the first ever interprofessional collaborative practice project. Yeah. People didn't even know what interprofessional collaborative practice was. We were leading the way. And she said, Oh, we got to take this to the partnership council. And I'm like, Well, why would we do that? <laughs> And that was our name kind of for shared governance councils, you know, it wasn't, mm -hmm. we were doing more than just shared governance, mm -hmm. but that's really the essence of what it was. And that was my first introduction to that. And then to our first real like full on project yes, in interprofessional collaborative practice. And then here I am 30 years later. So wow. it's just like, it was just full circle for me, you yes. know, full circle and Definitely. just the deep roots we have and the advancement of collaborative practice and everything we knew about the power of a, of a partnership council and a structure like that. And so it was really a, it was really a labor of love, really. Yeah. Yeah. Labor it, of love and passion. Yeah. Well, it definitely showed. And I just so enjoyed, cause it almost was full circle for me being a listener yesterday and watching your slides and seeing how far it's advanced, the knowledge and what you're bringing with the dual identity and all those concepts were just mind blowing to me like this. There's so much more to this. Um, and what of your research that you did and your findings, what would you say um, was most interesting or something you really want to call out uh, for our listeners today? Well, I think there's probably two things that I would say. I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. My study was so big, I couldn't even present the whole thing. So um, I'd say the first thing is that what I was looking for were do, do health professionals, healthcare workers, leaders that participate in shared governance councils have a high level of interprofessional collaborative practice knowledge. And my study showed that they did. Mm -hmm. These This group of participants did. 
And that did they take on a dual identity, which is they have both their professional identity, but then they also identify as a member of an interprofessional group. And they did. 86% of the participants had that dual identity. And it, it was different for different members in the, you know, different groups of people, but overall 86% did. So I, and I, that was kind of my hypothesis that that's what would happen, mm-hmm. that we would see that in the study. Um, and then the other thing I think that was interesting that I didn't do a deep dive into yesterday is that um, I looked at the amount and exposure of these participants to interprofessional education and workplace interprofessional education. And um, there wasn't really a significant difference in the groups with how much education they had. So in other words, the mm. amount of education wasn't, wasn't making a difference. So it's not about how much education you have. To me, it, it, and this is what needs further investigation yeah. is what kind of education are yeah. you getting and what's the context of it? Who's participating? Like there's so many, you know, so many questions that that spurs. Right. But it really, you know, I would anticipate you have a lot of interprofessional education. It would be linked to knowledge, right? Like mm-hmm. to collaborative practice knowledge, but there wasn't big differences in the knowledge based on the amount of education. So it wasn't a factor. Wow. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Really yeah, fascinating. There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> everybody's putting a lot of effort and attention on interprofessional education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we got to know more about what it means. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what's yeah. next in your research? What What happens now after your defense, Dr. Christofferson? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, here's a couple of things. <laughs> Well, one is one of the biggest, I think, contributions from my study is I developed an interprofessional collaborative practice knowledge assessment. And it, uh, as far as I know, it's the first of its kind. And so I'm really interested in really strengthening that tool and doing more, you know, more studies on it Mm -hmm. as far as its reliability and validity. And uh, so that's one thing, because I think that will really help in a lot of different ways in healthcare organizations to know and understand what the knowledge is of the practitioners. It moves us away from just self-reporting how much you've learned and, you know, some yeah. some measures that really aren't that strong. And so that I would really like to do. And then uh, another thing is to look at the knowledge of um, leaders in healthcare organizations. Because leaders are being called to advance interprofessional collaborative practice and interprofessional collaborative practice is going to be so much more important given who we are now in healthcare versus who we were two years ago, right? The pandemic has shifted a lot of things. We're going to have to think about care delivery in a whole different way. Collaboration and leveraging of all the professions is going to become even more important. Yep. But we got to know what it is. Yes. We got to know what it means to practice that way. You got to have that baseline overall knowledge of what it means to practice in a collaborative way. And if you don't, then that could help explain why it may not be successful in your organization, right? And if you're a leader being called to advance this and you don't have the knowledge, how are you going to lead it? You don't even know what you're leading if you don't have the knowledge. And we, I, I have not seen any studies that have looked at the knowledge of leaders when it comes to interprofessional collaborative practice. So I'd really like to do that because we're all about giving the leaders the tools they need, right, to yep. uh, deliver the services in the best, most efficient, right, quality way. And collaborative practice is 
one of the, you know, determinants of that happening, I think. So, well, and to your point about care delivery, everyone's looking at how we've done things in the past. We all know it has to be done in different ways. And, you know, I don't, I don't see anyone going back in their silos. Now's the time to be innovative. How do we collaborate together? So I think the awareness uh, through that, your assessment tool is going to be really valuable, really yeah. valuable yeah, going forward. So. That's really awesome. Yeah. Does there maybe be a lot of people thinking they're doing it? Yes. Who may not really be doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yep. So. Yep. Okay, now let's go back to the the messy middle. So we celebrated we, the end. Woo! Do we have to? <laughs> uh-huh. So Tracy, I re- re- recently heard this. I thought, oh my gosh, I thought about you immediately. That the word desert is in the word dissertation for a reason. <laughs> right? You're kind of thrown into this desert, especially after your coursework, to kind of figure this out. You're at the mercy of a lot of different people that are on that journey with you. And I just have really, I'm so, first of all, everyone, I'm just so thrilled about Dr. Christofferson and everything that she's accomplished and uh, know that it has definitely been a journey. There is just no other way to describe it. So, you know, and with, uh, with lessons come, you know, they come from storms, but we learn a lot from them and uh, they get us out of the desert. So tell our listeners your biggest challenge you faced on your PhD journey and what were your lessons learned in hindsight over time as well? Oh boy. Well, I, I, I think what makes people feel, first of all, let me say, I think what makes people feel like they're in the desert is you're typically in a cohort when you're going through your coursework and preparing yeah. to do your dissertation. So you're a part of a community. Yeah. Then you get to your dissertation and it's you and your work. And there isn't a lot of connection to the other students. You have no idea who's doing what or how fast they're going or what they're doing. It's you and your committee. And that's what makes it feel so lonely. Mm -hmm. And because it's your idea, it's your, like, and you are just focused in on that one thing, right? So it does, you feel like you've kind of been dropped off in the middle of the desert. (laughs) You got a few people telling you, go here, do this, go over there. (laughs) (laughs) There's no water over there. Go over here. (laughs) You're looking in the wrong place, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) 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 And so, and you know, I think it's, uh, the journey's different for everybody. So for me, I was really excited when I finished my coursework because I wanted to focus my research on polarities. And I, um, you know, I was just super pumped about really getting some very strong research on the polarities that impact, impact interprofessional collaborative practice, but it has never been studied before. And polarities are not something that is just like, you know, common knowledge in academia or healthcare. And so I had some struggles getting started with that and really kind of trying to figure out how to pull what, you know, besides polarity thinking as a theory, what other things needed to be included and how was I shaping the collaborative practice piece? And there were a lot of moving parts to it, right? And Mm -hmm. yeah. um, And so I got, you know, in about a year and a half, almost two years. And uh, I'll never forget the day I was standing in the airport on my way to meet you Mm -hmm. because we were going to go help. uh, We were going to go work with a client. And I was standing in the airport at 4.30 in the morning and in uh, Palm Springs, where I was staying at the time. And 
thought, I'll just check my email while I'm standing here, you know, and here's this notice from the program chair saying, I have to talk to you right away. You're, you know, I'm going to have to give you an F. You're going to fail this quarter and we've got to talk. And I'm like, what? So then I look down below there and there's an email from my chair and he's saying, I had to report that you haven't made any progress. You need to talk to so-and-so. And I'm freaking out. I'm a 4.0 student, you guys. Like I, I don't fail anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just shocked. Yeah. I was just in shock because I had submitted a, a, a bulk of uh, a couple of chapters. I was waiting mm-hmm. for feedback. I just didn't have any indication really that this was coming at me. So I was kind of like getting hit by a truck. Like mm-hmm. I felt like I got smacked in the face yep. and I was just reeling the whole airplane, right? I was just like, what is going on? What is going on? Right. So I get off the airplane. I'm in the airport. I'm talking to this, the director of the program and she's trying to help me understand. And anyway, we end up with a plan to do a little like, you know, ask if you can do some remediation, if you can talk with them and figure out what happened and what you can do. So I had this call set up a week later with my committee and I'm on a coaching call. I happen to be a part of a coaching group and I'm like chicken little, the sky's falling, right? Like, what if this doesn't happen? What if they don't let me meet? What is it? Right. And I'm like crying and I'm upset. And my coach said, you know what's going on here is you're attached to the outcome and you got to let it go. You just got to let go of the outcome because it's all happening for you. Whatever it is, it's happening for you. And you just got to trust it. You have no control over what they're going to do. So you got to just let go. And I am telling you, I am was not a let go kind of person at that point in my life. <laughs> no, she wasn't, folks. <laughs> that was really, really a significant shift. But I am so thankful I yes. was a part of that group because I would not have let go. And this would have drove me nuts, right? Like yeah. I just this would have ate at me and ate at me and ate at me because I've never failed at anything like that, right? Like I just, it would have tore me up. So I said, oh, I do. I got it. Okay. All right. I got to just let go. Right. And, and I did. Mm-hmm. And my whole committee a week later quit. Mm-hmm. They retired on me. All three of them said, we don't feel like we can continue with this. We're not, you know, and I think they were just basically saying, we're not the right people for what you want to do. And so the whole part, I mean, like, I was like, wow, well, where do I go from here? Right. I was just so floored by all of this. And there were some people trying to help me navigate and I was trying to get the grade overturned. And because when you have a failing grade, you're at risk for dismissal. One F and you're at risk for dismissal from the whole program. So what was riding here was that all this time I had put into this was going to go away, was going to just be, that's it. You're out. Yeah. That was what was at risk. So this was high intense moment, mm-hmm. right? So I'm just trusting and I'm working on letting go and just going with what's happening. Okay. They all decided they weren't the right people. Okay. What does that mean? Do I want to keep going? Do I even want to keep going? So I was at a choice point. Yeah. Now, if they're going to let me continue, do I even want to keep on this journey? And, uh, and all I kept saying to Michelle was, I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. <laughs> I'm not a quitter. I'm not a quitter. I got to figure out what this means is I'm not a quitter. <laughs> and uh, 
<laughs> I had a lot of support from a lot of really great people. Really, I talked to a lot of people who I got support from. Um, but, you know, it, it ended up, I ended up continuing. But when I continued with that, I got a whole new committee that I had to establish a relationship with. And I couldn't continue with my topic. So I had to start all over and find a brand new topic to do my dissertation in. And, um, and so, you know, it was like, it, it was just starting right back at scratch. Like I had to go back into the literature and I had to think about, okay, what is this going to be about? Right. And, um, and, and they helped me through that. Right. And they, they really did. They helped me through it. And, uh, and it turned out great. And I think, you know, you just have to, you do, you have to trust, trust. that what's happening is happening always for you, not against you. I learned so much in those three or four months yeah. that I never intended to learn. <laughs> <laughs> and most of it was really my own internal work. Like I, mm -hmm. you know, before that, I probably would have been just really been upset with those people that were on my committee. I would have been blaming them. I would have been judging them. I'd have been, and I was just like, you know, Okay, this has happened for a reason. What what did I do? How did I contribute to this? What wasn't I doing that I need to do going forward? Um, what did wasn't I asking for or looking for that I needed to have? Um, they had I had to put my faith and trust that those individuals would learn whatever it was they needed to learn from this experience, and just know that I was you know going to make the right choice and move in the right direction, and everything would be fine. Yeah. And, and it was, it was, right? and it, it was. was, and it was, but I think a couple of things that I learned was, you know, starting out, I didn't have a, I didn't pick the right committee. I had options to choose my committee and I didn't know the first thing about choosing the right committee. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I just had the wrong committee and they recognized that. And I mm -hmm. think that was, that was a positive that came out that they recognized they couldn't serve me the way I needed to be served. And so that was really a gift to me in the long run, right? That was a gift they gave me. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. Um, and then I think too, the other thing I learned about was uh, how critical communication is. Like I didn't, like, it wasn't that I didn't know that, but I didn't know what kind of communication I should be having with my chair, with my committee, you know, the structure to that and those kinds of things. So just it's invaluable. And there, and there are some things that, you know, you kind of recognize about yourself, things you kind of like, well, if I don't ask about that, maybe it'll just go away. <laughs> right. If I, if I don't, you know, maybe I just won't have to deal with that. If I don't dig into this, right. It's not the right attitude to have. You just got to plow in and figure it out. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> And then I think too, just clear expectations, mm -hmm. you know, this, uh, it's a partnership. So I think this is what threw me in this whole experience is uh, Michelle, you know, we come from partnering healthy oh, yes. relationship perspective, right? Where everything's about partnering and you're supporting each other. It's just not that way in academia mm -hmm. always. Right. You're being judged. You're, you're, the bar is here and you're going to meet it, right? Like there's expectations that are pretty rigid and it's not about always about the kind of partnership that we were used to. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that develops and evolves as you get further into the process. But 
it's a whole different ball game and you got to know who you're working with and what you're trying to accomplish together and know what the rules are and know how to play in the game. And, and those were things I was really at that, even at that year and a half in, I was really oblivious to, I think I just really didn't understand what I should have been asking for and what I, what I could have been doing that I wasn't doing. And, you know, I have my part in it. I have definitely had my part in it. So. Well, that's, but that was tough. Yeah, it was tough. And that's the beauty of hindsight. And it was tough for those of us that love you so much too. It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but I think we all learned and we all learned through you. And I think, um, you know, you got some great advice from your coach at the time. And I remember I was a little nervous because I thought, oh, is she going to quit? She can't quit. <laughs> But I was so grateful. I still remember the day you told me I, I'm, I'm going to move forward. And I was just like, yes, because I knew there was a Dr. Christofferson in you. And it just, yeah, and, and, and I love your story, how you went back full circle to where you started with your, your first passion and know that you're contributing significantly now to scholarly yeah. work around something that you started with. So it's really in the end, it's an awesome story awesome story. It is. Well, you know, like I said, it happened for me. Yeah. I wouldn't have been there in the way I was yesterday. Yeah. If I wouldn't have had that experience. I mean, that whole experience was a huge transformational leap for me, not as a scholar, even just as a person. Right. Right. All the work I had to do, the internal work I had to do to really be who I needed to be to move forward. Mm -hmm. That's what it was all about. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. So, so uh, what else you got? Well, I got a few more questions here. <laughs> I don't have to tell you that we just wrapped up a series called the True Thriving Resilient Unstoppable Leadership Series on our podcast, episode 143, 144, and 145. And um, I thought it'd be really interesting to ask you how some of the elements in our framework and how we work with true leaders how those were honed during your journey as well. Like which ones did you really lean into? So I'm going to, I'm just going to say each of the pillars. And then I want you to share maybe the, I know, I know they all were working. Believe me. (laughs) I know they all were at work, (laughs) but if you had to pick one that you think maybe our listeners could uh, relate to or one that helped you the most, I think it would be great. You game. Sure. Okay. Got it. All right. Got it. All right. What did you learn the most about mindful choices and which element of mindful choices helped you the most on your journey? Oh my gosh. Mindful choices. That's all there are. Everything's a choice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to mindful choices... I would say, um, well, there's two. I, I got to do two. Okay. It's identity and beliefs, I would say. <laughs> identity, because, man, you are being called to be somebody you've never been before. That's right. And, you know, I think I hid from that for a while. And then you've got to go, all right, this is what's being called for. And I got to step up and I got to be this, right? Mm-hmm. I've got to have these characteristics. And... And then there were some times where I expected myself to be something that was um, really beyond what I needed to be. Like, I'm a learner. That's one of my strengths is I'm a learner. And, um, but I expected myself to almost be, you know, operating as a full-fledged scholar 
like every paper I turned in, every chapter, like I expected it to be perfect, right? Like I was really putting expectations on myself that were unnecessary. So in some cases I was moving too far ahead, expecting too much where I just needed to be the learner. I just needed to remember you're a learner and you're going through this process for a reason, right? right and right. the mistakes you make or the things you don't do that you need to do, you know, that's coming back to you because that's the lesson you needed to learn. Be the learner, just be the learner and don't expect so much. And then there were other times where it was like, you got to be relentless and courageous and, you know, just you got to take on those characteristics and not let it not be intimidated by what you're taking on and what's being expected of you that you can do it. Right. And right. Um, just figure out what the characteristics are for you that you need to embody and step into it. And then you got to have the beliefs. You got to have the stories you're telling yourself, you know, everything I, everything I need is inside me. Everything I need is inside me. Right. Like I've got this, I've got this right. Like you got to fill yourself with really positive stories and beliefs about who you are and what you believe that align with those identities. Exactly. Because that it's, this work is external, but so much of it's internal. So much of it's internal. It's an internal transformation. Right. You're, you're becoming something. It's like the, you know, the butterfly. Mm -hmm. It's like you're in that cocoon kind of <laughs> doing the struggle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yes. And it's all, it's all internal work. Yeah. It really is so much of it because you are being expected to do something you've never done before. And that's scary as hell. Yeah. Yeah. You're way out of your comfort zone. Way out of your comfort zone. Well, the only way you're going to perform is to be that person that's been there, already out there, right? You just yeah. got to step into it. So that was huge for, yeah. and you got to choose to do that. Right. Not choose to stay hidden and quiet. I mean, you are on the stage. Everything you're doing is being judged. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And for the most part, I really don't care what people think about me, right? In the grand scheme of stuff. But in this environment, However. you are being, being <laughs> judged constantly and it's, it's important. Yeah. Right. It's important. It's that it's judgment to help you grow and to evolve and to be the very best scholar you can be, but it's judgment. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just what it is, folks. And yeah. you got to get comfortable that, with it. That's right. That's right. And then it's just, it's one step at a time and being that, mm -hmm. uh, changing the yep. identities as you move forward and the beliefs. So mm -hmm. spot on. Mm -hmm. And I saw it in mm -hmm. action, everyone. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's talk about polarity intelligence. So we know that has served you well through this journey. <sighs> and um, there's several different interdependent, um, you know, values that you have managed through this journey as well. And if you had to pick one or two, I'll, I'll give you two if you need to. <laughs> uh, what did you have to manage the most? Well, I think starting out, you have to manage, you know, work and home. Yes. Or professional and personal. Yep. Because I was running a business too. I've never run my business without a dissertation hanging over me, right? Yeah. Like I was, like to say I was riding two horses with one ass. <laughs> 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 so, and then I have a husband and a family, right? And my kids are all grown and have their own children. So I didn't have kids at home I had to deal with, but I have a family, I have grandchildren. I yes. have like, you know, other things in my life, friends, right? Um, and so you re I really had to be cognizant of that. And I'm a worker, so it's easy for me to put my head down and boom, go. But 
My husband was very helpful with that. He was so supportive. Oh my gosh. I'll talk about that later. Anyway, <laughs> but that's the primary one because you've got to, you got to maintain as much of a balance as you can get. It's dynamic. Some yep. weeks are better. Months are better. Periods of time are better. Quarters are better than others. But you just got to know, okay, here's what's coming up. Here's what it's going to take. And my husband and I were partners in that. I'm like, okay, here's what's coming. He's like, gotcha. And I would just dive in. Same thing with Michelle. Yep. Okay, here's yep. what's coming. Here's what I'm going to need. Okay, got you, right? Like they would give me the space I needed to do what I needed to do. And we would manage the other aspects, either business or home, in whatever way we needed to. So that was the first one. The second one is doing and being. And for me, that was really critical. And I did a lot more of the being aspects of it probably in the last year and a half, mm -hmm. really stepped that up. The first year and a half I was doing this was really uh, this phase of it, um, heavy doing, like a lot, lot of, you know, you're writing your chapters, you're doing your research, you're like all that. It's a lot of doing. Um, and then I really stepped up the being part of it, the quiet time the journaling time, just the, you know, just making sure I had that being piece. I always did. I always had a pretty good morning routine and things like that. So that was really important to me, but even just other elements of being more meditation, more hypnosis, more, again, the internal thinking, the, the being parts of the identity, like all of that, right. It's just quiet time and getting centered and grounded and clear and what you're doing and why you're doing it and staying connected to your purpose at and then the last time, the last part was masculine and feminine. So masculine and feminine, really, I'd probably sit at the highest level and being and doing would sit underneath that with the being under feminine and the doing under masculine. But when it came to this last push, you know, it was like the masculine is the driver is going to push you through and you're going to get it done, right? Like you're going to do the work and you're going to get it done. But the creative aspect of it comes from the feminine energy. Yeah. And when you're in this last phase and you have to write your discussion and you have to really think about, so what does all this mean in the grand scheme of the world, right? <laughs> That's a creative force, right? And so that I had to really lean into that creative force. As my coach said, a masculine energy isn't going to birth this baby. A female energy is going to birth this baby. So <laughs> that's what we got to work on, right? So I spent the last year really working mm -hmm. on my female energy and strengthening that energy and how I leverage that energy. And that's really, I think, what showed up yesterday. I just said, okay, I got to let that female energy flow and putting my presentation together and taking this huge study and narrowing it down. I had to lean into that feminine energy, that creative force, that intuition and, and those types of things. So, And when you think about what you presented and how you presented it, it was from someone who was an observer, it was very well balanced. So yeah. you were very successful, Dr. Christofferson. Awesome. Yes. Well, that was my intention. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the last one, personal alignment. So yeah. this is being aligned to who you really are. So what showed up yeah. for you with that, with your PhD? Well, the first thing I would say is vision and purpose. So mm -hmm. you, you have to have a strong why. Like I'll, always in front of me is, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Every Saturday morning when I got up at 4 a.m., why am I doing this? <laughs> What's my purpose? <laughs> 
but you got to stay connected to that. So that's one. And then the other one is goal setting. So yeah. I think for me, what was missing in the very front end of my first experience was a very structured goal oriented process with clear, you know, just, just that clarity, um, to help me get where I needed to go. So in this last half of my, you know, experience, Every quarter had a very clear goal, objectives every week. I knew exactly what I needed to have accomplished, how it was going to get me to that ultimate goal. It was critical, critical to the success, to getting me to the part where the analysis was all done and I was ready to then start the creative process of, you know, this really, what what does this mean? That that was critical. Yeah. Just, I had to have that. And it just, it, it works for me. I love structure. Mm-hmm. I'm a structured kind of person and I'm self-determined. You know, I, I, I can pretty much, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. I've been doing all my education has been online. I haven't been in any classrooms in the last 13 years. Right. So I, I, you know, I pretty can determine what I need to do and when I need to do it. I'm responsible that way, mm-hmm. but you need somebody to kind of help you gauge what you're capable of doing, how long it's going to take all the parts to it that you don't even know about. And that's what was so helpful in this last phase. Yeah. Well, you've brought that into our business too, that skill, which Mm -hmm. I really appreciate because you do, I've seen such a big growth in that area for you. Like you have a real almost intuitive Mm -hmm. sense now when it comes to all the parts, how long things take, you know, and how we can underestimate that. I know you've helped me a lot with that because you're like, oh, I could do that. And you're like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, the one thing you got to know is creative work always takes longer than you think it's going to take. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're being creative and you can't be creative if you're forcing something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So Tracy, what advice would you give to others thinking about a PhD journey or someone that's on one right now? What advice would you give them? Have a very strong why. Mm -hmm. Very strong purpose. Know exactly why you're doing it and keep it in front of your eyes constantly. Yeah. Just really, it needs to be powerful or you'll quit. (laughs) I'm just telling you. Why do you think there's so many people that are, you know, all but dissertation? Yes. That's... ABD, because they don't have a strong enough why to keep them in the game. Yeah. It's a long haul. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long haul and you've got to have that strong why. So that's number one. Um, it's an internal journey. You've got to do your internal work. If you're not willing to do your internal work, it's going to be a hard run. Yes. It's an internal journey as much as it is an external journey. And then um, you have to have a strong support system. Yeah. Oh, those are pearls of wisdom. Got to have strong support. So don't go into it if you don't. So (laughs) who are you most grateful for on your PhD journey and why? Oh, the list is so long. (laughs) We don't have time for everybody. We're already at 48 minutes. Well, let's well, I'm gonna, do a couple, let me just do say, a couple shout outs. Let me just say, I've got to thank my committee. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Yes. Awesome individuals. Each one of them taught me something different. One taught me that no matter how, no matter when you think you can't go any farther, you always can. Yep. Another taught me follow the rules until you don't have to, and then just let it flow and shine. And then the other one taught me, don't forget to look up and recognize where you are and enjoy where you are in the moment and celebrate how far you've come. So those are lifelong lessons, not just scholarly lessons. I have to thank my husband. I mean, Jerry, you're going to make me cry. (laughs) 
the sacrifices my husband made for me, mm-hmm. for this journey, how he stood behind me every day, every minute, and all the time that we could have had together that we didn't have together, I wouldn't be here without him. Not to mention his culinary skills improved so much. (laughs) He cooked for me. And even here, I'm at my sister-in-law's home. They have been cooking for me for three months, taking care of me, just, you know, giving me whatever space I needed, doing whatever I needed. My husband is like, what do you need? I'm gone. I'll get it. What, you know, like anything. So he's my number one. Oh, absolutely. And Michelle, of course. (laughs) I mean... I, every up, every down, every twist, every turn, you were always there with a card, flowers, a (laughs) gift, something to say, keep going, honey, keep going. going. You got this, you got this. The encouragement, the support is just, and the last three months, how you've carried our business. I just, I will be forever grateful. Uh Really. It's amazing. I am so blessed to have a friend like you and a partner. I'm so blessed to have a friend like you. I learned so much from you every day, every day. So this is so amazing just to be standing here right now. And will you please stand up and show everyone your shirt? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Here's my shirt. It's not, it's Miss, no, Ms. no, Mrs. Doctor, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And I got a little mug to go with it. I got my little mug. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, I just have to say two other things. Yes. I have to thank my coach, Sarah. Oh, yes. Sarah, I made a very intentional, I made some intentional uh, conscious choices the beginning of the year, that there were two things I needed. I needed a coach to help me make this a magical moment in my life. And she, Sarah was my magic master. And thank you, Sarah, because I showed up yesterday and every bit of who I could ever be with all the magic I could have and muster because of the work her and I did over the last three months, every week, just, she helped me so much. And then I want to give a shout out to Lizzie Cangro, who was my nutrition coach because stress can kick your butt when it comes to taking care of yourself, right? I'm a, I, I used to be a comfort eater. <laughs> that was my story. <laughs> I knew I could potentially be in great trouble from a physical perspective <laughs> if I didn't pay attention to that. Lizzie, thank you so much because you I feel the best I've ever felt in the most stressful time of my life. And that would not have happened without you. So... Yeah. And she's got a great book called Reclaim the Rebel. So just get that book. Yes. Two awesome, awesome coaches. Yes. So thank you, ladies, for being part of Dr. Christofferson's journey. And um, we just are really blessed that we'll stay connected with them for a long, long time. Oh, forever. Yeah. So Tracy, what are you going to do to celebrate the significant milestone? I'm going to Hawaii. (laughs) Can I? Can I come with? Yes, you're coming with. Going to Hawaii with my best friend, my husband and her husband. And we're going to celebrate this as well as our 30 year anniversary. That's right. So we're going to spend 10 days in Hawaii soaking it up. Yep. That's coming really fast and we cannot wait for that. Yes, yes, yes. That's awesome. (sighs) Okay. Well, I'm sure our listeners enjoyed this amazing journey story. Thank you for sharing it. Sure. 
Yeah, thank you I'm for happy sharing to share it. it. Yeah, thank you very much. So now, Tracy, it's time to turn the table and I get to ask you the missing questions. Oh, boy. Do I need to drink some <laughs> yeah. of this champagne for? <laughs> you might want to take a swig. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay. Here's the first one. All right. How many nights did Jerry have to sleep on the couch? <laughs> about four okay <laughs> really in total only because I had to work and where we're at right now oh, right. I was I did a couple all-nighters at or at least till 2 a.m and we are staying at my sister-in-law's house <laughs> in kind of a one-room casita and I'm working in that room where we're sleeping so he was like well if I'm gonna get any sleep I'm going in the other so about four yeah. okay about four nights I but that. I only did, I only <laughs> really did two, two all-nighters and that whole seven years. So that's pretty good. That's, that was right here. At, that was right at the end. Yeah. Yep. Right at the end. I think that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. That's great. It's not anything I recommend you do. <laughs> all right. So here's another one. Okay. If you had to guess how many prayer lists and positive vibe lists you were on in the last... Seven years. <laughs> what would you guess? Oh my gosh! How would I know? A uh, hundred. I'm going to say a hundred or more, or more, yeah. or more, or more, or, or more. more. Yeah, because I know all my all my peeps had their peeps praying for me too. I know. So I, I know you were on many lists, many lists. I was, I yes. was, and I it it helped. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Thank God. Lot Thank God. Setting things your way. <sighs> All right. And as you know, we like to have our closing be a polarity and what your preference poll is. Now, this one, sometimes we know our preference polls change over time. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell that she's got some kind of idea of what my preference poll might be just by the way she asked that? <laughs> oh, all right. Today, what is your preference poll? Achievement? Or celebration? Achievement. <laughs> Achievement. <laughs> achievement. Uh, I'm always about the achievement. It's in my bones. I can't help myself. It's one of her strengths. But she's also a great yeah. celebrator. Oh, well. And I will be celebrating. She's also mm -hmm. a great celebrator. I will be yeah. Awesome. Awesome interview. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks uh, for doing this. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Any closing words? Oh, I just feel so blessed. I just really feel so blessed. I told Michelle, I've been crying, just from overwhelmed from all the love and support and yeah. all the congratulations that have been coming in. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. And there's been, you know, a lot of tears shed in the last week, you know, for people that aren't here, my parents, you yeah. know, people that I really... Hope they're looking down yeah. and knowing that, you know, this, they helped create this person who did this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just feel so, so blessed and just, yeah, my, I feel like my life is so rich and just the beginning. It's just the beginning. I'm 61 getting my PhD and I'm just getting started. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. I love that story. That's the best part. Yeah. Just getting started. 
I am just getting started. That's Watch great. Out. That's great. Well, thank you, our listeners, for joining us today to hear Tracy's PhD journey story. And if you find it helpful and you think others will too, then please share it because I think this isn't your typical podcast interview. This is like <laughs> some real personal, internal stuff of how to be successful on a journey and any journey because really the things Tracy shared, they're applicable to pretty much any journey yeah. that you're on, right, yeah. Tracy? Oh, yeah. Well, and there's so many leaders out there that are trying to do the, you know, get the degree, whatever the degree is. It all takes internal work and it all takes effort and support. And, you know, so, yeah, it applies to anything. Yeah, it sure does. Sure does. So follow us on all of our social media channels. Uh, we do have a new newsletter we just launched in the last couple of weeks. So if you want to get on, subscribe to that, please do. And uh, leave a rating and review on our podcast on YouTube or on whatever podcast player you listen to. And we will see you next time. And just have safe travels and journeys yourself. And we're over and out. Dr. Christofferson and I are leaving the building. <laughs> yeah. Ching, 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 ching. Thanks for listening. See you next see time. See you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.